The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that was a Sabbath day they didn't soon forget. There they were, just like any other Saturday, coming to worship the Lord, hearing from a preacher, extrapolate uh, uh, what it is that God has given in his word. When one in their midst, their own neighbor, stands up, somebody they've known, they live with, they see in the marketplace, work alongside, stands up and starts speaking, crying out against Jesus, Jesus quieting him with a word, making this demon depart, the man convulsing, crying out, and then the silence, the peace, their neighbor restored. And they were amazed. They had never seen anything like this before. Jesus' words had a power, an authority that amazed them. Notice, it wasn't the presence of the evil spirit that amazed them. That seemed common enough. It was Jesus' ability to command this spirit to depart and make it obey that amazed them. Does it amaze you? When you hear this story today, we hear it really just like that, a story. History? Perhaps. We might concede that there was an evil spirit in that synagogue in Capernaum. However, we tend to think of such things as being relegated to Bible times, to the pages of the Bible, or more frequently, the pages of books like Grimm's brother, Grimm, uh, Brothers Grimm uh, fairy tales. Right? This is not something that we really think about too much today. 
We dismiss it. Just read right over it. When we do this, though, we strip the word of God of its meaning. We deny ourselves the comfort that God's word could bring to us in the troubles that we experience. Now I can hear you now. You're saying, Pastor, you're not seriously telling us that demons exist, are you? Doesn't doesn't science tell us that what that man was experiencing that day wasn't an evil spirit, it was really just a mental illness? And that, that the people of Jesus' time, they just didn't know any better? Isn't that what it was? Well, in some cases. In some cases, there may be issues of mental illness that need to be treated. But that does not explain everything. And yes, strange things that disturb us might simply be a result of our incomplete understanding of the world, how things work. This is the case with children, right? They, they see things, shadows, and they get spooked by them. They don't understand physics, <laughs> right? Or basic basics of science. But many of us, more than we might like to admit, many of us have seen things. We've seen things that are difficult to explain, things that disturb us, frighten us a little bit, maybe more than a little bit. Oh, we don't like to talk about them or it. Or at least we're very selective with the people that we would reveal these experiences to. We don't want people to think that we've gone a bit off. <laughs> Perhaps the odd things that we have seen are a result of our imagination, fueled by the media that we consume. Or maybe like Mr. Scrooge, upon seeing Marley's ghost, It's just indigestion. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than the grave about you, whatever you are, he said. And like Scrooge, we would be right to dismiss the things that we've seen as ghosts. With respects to Mr. Dickens, the scriptures do not give us any basis of support for the presence or the reality of such a thing as a ghost. So that disturbing thing that you have experienced, it might have been indigestion or your imagination. However, there's another possibility. One that would not have amazed the people of Capernaum that day in that synagogue one bit. It might have been a demon. The world in which we live is not spiritually neutral. It is patently obvious to us when we look around that this world is not as God created it to be. A world where God's will is done perfectly 
a world where everything is in harmony, the scriptures reveal to us that life in this world really is a battlefield, a spiritual battlefield with the evil one, Satan, and his demons, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, says St. Paul in Ephesians. Satan was a sinner and a murderer from the beginning, oppressing those whom God created and loves. Like a lion, he prowls, seeking whom he may devour. The devil comes to take away the word of God from our hearts. And he does this through lies, for he is the father of lies. And he sends forth his demons to deceive us and to promulgate false teachings. Demons lie by offering alternatives to God's revealed truth, as Satan did in the garden with Adam and Eve, sowing doubt in the questioning Did God say you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And then contradicting God's word, saying, you will not die. Demons lie, too, by offering us access to things we cannot know, taking us captive through philosophy and empty deceit. And it happens oh so subtly. We want answers to our questions. To whom shall we go? Oh, we'll crowdsource truth on social media or over a cup of coffee with our friends. We'll seek out truth from science or perhaps more spiritual sources. Mediums and mystics, fortune tellers, psychics, spiritualists, Ouija boards, and horoscopes. Perhaps, perhaps you also have consulted with such practitioners. Maybe you've done so thinking, oh, it's just harmless fun. Such things are not harmless. They open doors for doubt and deceit and for demons themselves. Can you simply dabble with the demonic? God says no in no uncertain terms. As St. Paul writes, no, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you have experienced something strange and disturbing, that it is somehow your fault Uh, that it was a direct result of something that you did, opening yourselves up to this. Satan and his demons stalk us with flaming arrows. Hordes of devils fill the land, all threatening to devour us, Martin Luther writes. 
They hunt us and they harass us even when we are not seeking them out and opening doors to them. God forbid that we would willfully open ourselves to the attacks of Satan and his demons. No strength of ours can match the the might of our satanic foe. So what are we to do? Jesus teaches us to pray, rescue us from the evil one. Deliver us from evil. And that is a prayer that Jesus loves to answer. It's why he came. Jesus is our champion and he fights our battles for us. He comes with authority the full authority of God's word, which can create, which can call things into being out of nothing. His word accomplishes what it says. Jesus speaks and demons depart. In one of the very first acts of his public ministry, as recorded in Mark's gospel, Jesus is revealed to be on the offensive. Not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers of this world that are arrayed against God and his reign. What's more, these spiritual powers are fully aware of Jesus' intent. They are very obviously aware that he presents to them a clear and present danger. The question posed by the demon that day in Capernaum was, have you come to destroy us? Jesus did not bother answering the demon. He had come to free his people, to cast out demons, and that's exactly what he did. From the beginning of his ministry, To the day he died, Jesus assailed Satan, the ruler of this world. And by his death, Jesus cast him out. He destroyed sin, death, and the devil when he was crucified. The war has been won. Satan and all evil has been defeated. And Satan knows it. Moreover, he knows that the day of his doom is sealed, that his time is short. But have no fear of him or his demons. For having risen from the dead, Jesus now shares with us the spoils of his victory over evil. Delivered to us in word and sacrament, he gives to us life, the forgiveness of our sins, the evil that we have done, and salvation from all that would threaten us. Now it can be said that in Christ, you have overcome and conquered the evil one. The powers of evil have been defeated. Judgment day is coming for Satan and for all demons. Their doom is certain. Until then, they have been made weak, by the strength of the power of Jesus' love, a love revealed to us, proved for us by his death on the cross. 
At Jesus' word, evil flees. At the mention of his name, demons depart and Satan is subdued. And the days of Jesus driving out demons are not over. Jesus comes to cast out the evil spirits today, just as he did in that synagogue in Capernaum so long ago. And he does it by the same means, his word. I have seen this. Uh, I had members of a congregation that came to me and they said, Pastor, we have seen some things that have us disturbed. Things in their own home. Things that disturbed them and disturbed their dogs, honestly. Things they could not explain. They tried to just ignore it, let it be, but they couldn't. Thankfully, they did not reach out to paranormal investigators or ghost hunters, and you can do that. I mean, they're out there. They offer their services, so to speak. But thankfully, these parishioners came to their pastor. They asked me what I could do. I offered to come to the house and to do a house blessing. It is a a liturgy that is written into our pastoral care books. We call it a house blessing. But really what it is, in addition to being a blessing, is an exorcism. It is to cast out those things that trouble us, those demons. No, as we walked through the house, there was nothing dramatic. We didn't see things flying about or, or anything like that. There's no crying out as there was in that synagogue in Capernaum so long ago. We simply walked from room to room, praying, reading scripture, taking extra time in those rooms where the things that happened that, it, that troubled them. If you were there, you wouldn't have seen anything other than us praying. You wouldn't have heard anything other than us praying and reading scripture. But after I left, you know, in the weeks that followed, they didn't experience the things that they had been experiencing before. Now, I don't say this in any way to say that I have any power in and of myself to do anything to drive out demons any more than you do. Again, we are weak in the presence of evil. But Jesus, he is powerful. His word accomplishes what it says it will do. And at his name, demons depart. And it was Jesus who helped that family that day. You see, Jesus has cast out the ruler of this world. He drives out demons with his word. By his word of absolution, which you have heard here today, he casts out evil and he forgives your sin. By his word with ordinary water, nothing special done to the water, just ordinary water out of a tap connected with his word. He performs an exorcism at every baptism. 
By his word preached into our ears, he drives out evil as his word creates in us faith. And we believe the promise that God has given to us. Because of him, because of Jesus' presence in our lives, because of his word, which has been attached to us in holy baptism, we have nothing to fear. So like the inhabitants of Jerusalem surrounded by their enemies in Second Chronicles, we can hear this word from the Lord. This battle is not for you to fight. Take your position, stand still, and see the victory of the Lord on your behalf. In the name of Jesus, amen.